Hey, this is Mikey Lynch from the Uni Fellowship of Christians, and I'm here with Greg Cooper, a songwriter and speaker who is passionate about music's ability to open up our minds and hearts and to bring comfort. His latest EP, South of the River, was released in late 2022, reflecting on the difficult pandemic years and the stories of hope that emerged in adversity. We'll be talking about one of the songs from that EP, particularly during our time together today. Uh, having recently served as Music and Gatherings Pastor at St Jude's Carlton and similar roles in Sydney, Greg is currently completing theological study at Ridley College and loves attending City on a Hill in the heart of Melbourne, a city that is notoriously without hills. <laughs> he was a member of Worship Band Garage Hymnal and has written extensively for churches with songs such as Hear Our Prayer being sung at churches across the nation. Having previously worked as a lawyer in areas of social justice, Greg also enjoys sharing the life-transforming work of compassion with churches throughout Australia. Greg was down here in Hobart for a Uni Fellowship of Christians pre-evangelistic concert event last night, and we thought we'd use the time while he was down to also do a, a, a recorded songwriting workshop, which we're doing now. Hey, Greg, how you hey, doing? Good to see you, man. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to doing this. Oh, you bet. Yeah, we originally talked about doing it in person with a bunch of people. That didn't yeah. quite work out, but hopefully this means a bunch more people get to sit in on the virtual version yeah. anyway. Whether it's in their car or on the train or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it can be this can be like the extended advert for the next time we do this, right? Absolutely. Where people go, oh man, okay, sure. Next time you're down, um, we'll um, we'll take take advantage of it. Absolutely. So we're talking about songwriting, and we're not just talking about songwriting for church songs. Hear our prayer, or perfect but painful, or whatever it is. Right. Although it does, I mean, that bleeds over together. I mean, you also do singer songwriter stuff for. Um, but how do we define that? Like, is it yeah. one is for worship, one is for performance? But that feels weird. Is performance yeah. is? Uh, you know, what, do you have a word for the categories that captures the two? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think uh, I started out writing songs that were personal. Yeah. So I never knew anything different, you know. And, and then there came a time where it became more fitting to write some songs for churches. So for me, writing songs for churches was like the the extra bit, the kind yeah, of right. add on bit, the kind of writing to brief, if you mm -hmm. know what I mean, because uh, there's a very particular set of things you have to be able to do for a congregation to sing a song, and the theology has to be really robust and um, melodically has to be very kind of easily picked up. Uh, we had a, a conference recently where it was a really good band, right. but they, they were doing like an arrangement, a bit more of a kind of, I don't know if it's modal or what the word is for the kind of backing to it, sure. but they just didn't have enough of a beat for the congregation oh, no, to yeah. keep to the beat. But the song leader really quickly picked up what was going on oh, and they just started clicking oh, to okay. help people catch the beat. Do you know, because the chords were all just kind of floating everywhere, do you know, right. and the drums were on, you know, various offbeats and we, <laughs> we were all really struggling, you know, yeah. and it was just so smart that he went, oh, hang on, yeah, this is, the music sounds yeah. awesome, but this is congregational singing, I need to give them a, something to hang their hang their ears Absolutely. onto. Yeah. yeah, and you're really going for something that um, the the even the non musician can hopefully latch onto. Yeah. But as time's gone on, uh, I'm giving you a long answer because it's something I, it's a it's something I'm constantly thinking about. Mm. As as time has gone on, I feel like my impression of congregational singing has shifted. I think the bar is very high for congregational singing. I mm -hmm. think almost what we're doing is like singing creeds. Yeah. Because we're we're owning these lyrics together. Yeah. And uh, then we're being asked to sing them out. And I feel like that's often why you get people who are uh, perhaps concerned about church music or have really strong opinions is because is we're asked we're asking them to own those words mm. uh, and not just hear them. Yeah. And so uh, 
I feel like there's a liturgical role to our congregational singing yeah. about giving us a corporate identity. And so, you know, long story short, um, I would say we're, with church songs, we're writing something for the corporate people of God yeah. that people can universally agree to. Yeah. With personal songs, we're giving, I mean, a personal experience of God. Yeah. And uh, we're saying that this might be your experience too. Mm. Um, and we hope it might help you in what you're going through. Yeah. Because obviously there are common themes that, that people are going to experience in life uh, at a personal level, but one person's particular journey uh, shouldn't be sung by everyone, you know? Well, well I mean, so, a huge example of that is is like those imprecatory psalms, right? right? My, my daughter, you, I mean, you met her, at least saw yeah. her last night at the concert, and she was commenting, oh, yeah, the psalms talk a lot about enemies. Right. <laughs> and right. we're going, well, yeah, like if you're a... Whatever an early um, early Iron Age king, yeah. surrounded by um, by literal people who want to take over your people group, and then you know you've got the the king who's on the throne also is slowly going insane yes. and is trying to spear you to the wall. Like he literally has life threatening enemies. Yeah. Um, and so it's not uh, it's not paranoia, or at least just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. <laughs> Um, and so in that context, yeah. we can then understand why the psalmists will pour out this rage to God, but, but in doing so, they're handing over judgment to God, aren't they? Yeah. But that's not saying that you, Greg, need to go, oh, I was really convicted by that psalm this morning. I feel like I need to fan into flames my rage at my enemies more. I know. <laughs> that's not why the psalm was written, was it? You know. And that's so right. it may be your experience. Yeah. But if it's not yours, you don't need to then... No. <laughs> Universalise it or... Universalise it. it. But it helps you understand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There are definitely, like, gaps in our church singing repertoire. So we need more rage, maybe? More rage. <laughs> rage against the machine of the world. Um, uh. but, but at the same time, I think often, as I've reflected on those gaps, I think it's often because they're harder to write about yeah. in, a, in a universal way. They're often, like, very specific... Um, Things which need contextualizing mm-hmm. or need explanation, yep. and the song, the church songs that I think really land beautifully are the ones where you can literally get up and just start singing, and yeah. they're so well written that they just make sense, yep. and they draw you in. And yeah. So yeah. So we um, granted there might be some people who go, oh, we've got enough church songs, we don't need any more. But I think most people can see it the case for sure. why Christians would spend time and energy writing songs for congregational singing. Yeah. That, you know, culture shifts and changes, freshness engages people freshly, yeah. and there's something nice about a local community singing its songs. You know, that, so, so I think people can see the case for that as a, a justifiable Christian enterprise. Yes, oh, I like that. <laughs> but, but why might it also be a legitimate and worthwhile thing to do for Christians to say, you know, you, what, I started writing songs for self-expression, yes. and then I ascended. To write songs for church, yeah. Why would I then descend again yeah, to yeah, yeah. merely write songs exactly, exactly. for self-expression? What's your case? Make a case for Make us. a case, or, or at least reassure those who already, on some level, go. Well, I'm still, I'm going to, whether I'm allowed to or not. Yeah. How can we kind of, in, in a sense, be an encouragement to that instinct? Impossible? Absolutely. Mm. Well, God gifts us. Uh, we don't gift ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so, if you have a gift, yeah. Uh, there's plenty of scripture to back up the idea of using it, exercising mm. it, um, and using it to serve God's people. But what that looks like can be very different. So, yeah, you can absolutely write songs for churches. And, you know, some might see that as ascend um, mm. and have that assumption behind it as if it's somehow more holy. Uh, but I think, as I've said before, I think the purpose is just different. I think yeah. it's giving uh, kind of 
expression to the corporate identity in that setting. But then the personal songwriting is an expression of creation. Mm-hmm. You know? I uh, guess the same person wouldn't necessarily go, is it a waste of time to have a nice garden out the front of my house? Correct. We go, yeah, there's Correct. something beautiful about beauty and it's a, an impulse of yeah. being in the image of God to tend the garden in the broadest yeah. sense. Yeah. So, and and to yeah. create, so to create like God creates. Um, and You can you cook know. for church potluck, but what are you doing wasting time cooking a nice yeah, meal I know. at home? <laughs> so, yeah, Sharon, my wife, and I talk about this a lot. Mm. Really, if you start thinking about creativity, it's everywhere. Yeah. Like you, you can decide to be a creator in anything you do. When I write a text message to someone, I can write it really functionally mm. with no punctuation and get yep. the job done. Or I can take real care in yep. the way that I construct the message and actually have tone and heart yeah, yeah. and show my care for a person. That's creating, you know. Um, now, there's a place for both those things. I'm not yeah, saying every right. text message needs to be, you know, an essay. <laughs> but, but Iambic just, pentameter. Yeah, correct, correct. <laughs> Although yeah. I'm, I'm sure I, you know, I'm sure people do do that. But but just to say, um, there there is that role of I think imaging yep. God, which is which is who we are. Um, I think as well realizing that there is a place for people in the church to receive music outside of the congregational experience on a mm. Sunday morning as well is really important. So uh, you know people's commutes to work, making mm. dinner, um, doing the housework, or sitting and just reflecting. Uh, having music to to uh, kind of pr- accompany people in those times. Yeah. Um, I think one of the great gifts of song, and this has been my own experience in my own life, is that great songs often give expression uh, and give you words that you can't find yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you're going through something and often... Um, one of the experiences of, of suffering, for example, is it often takes our words away from us. Yep. So to be able to kind of provide some words that might articulate yeah, what people are going through at yeah. that time is really important. On the lighter end, just to provide joy, lightness, yep. beauty. Yep. I mean, there's a whole other category you can open up, like a theology of beauty and aesthetics yep. and, you know, God is a God who cares about his creation and take, pays attention to detail and clearly values beautiful things. We only need to look around us. Mm. Um, what I love about music, though, if you think about it, it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> if, if you if you yep. really get serious about it, you go, oh, there's just no need. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need music to be able to get through a day. Like, I don't, like, I need air or I need food. Mm. Or, and yet God still created it uh, yeah. as a gift. And as you look throughout the scriptures, I think singing and song is just like an assumed language. It's just there as assuming people will express themselves that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Hannah's song is like quite personal. Uh, there are personal songs throughout the Bible. Yeah. Um, not everything is all about the corporate experience. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can argue a case for it, but I think some things are... You know, self-evident. Yeah, Once and it wasn't. It wasn't you know, like you talked about the necessary, unnecessary, and we're about to hit on a pandemic song. But it was sure. an interesting experience. I think many people had that one of the things they gravitated to was creative arts as one yeah. of the bedrocks in the midst of that whole kind of lockdown era. That it wasn't sort of like, oh, I just need to 
do the functional things at that point, but it's actually, oh, wow, there's, there's a renewed, you know, and, and I mean, those who already loved music really loved those who did put on their yeah. little kind of home studio and, and, and kind of little concerts to camera. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Like there was an appreciation of, of you know, and, and like we talked about gardening as that, another form of creative art, but For that sure. as well, like people sure. suddenly kind of rediscovering their, their yeah. backyard or their windowsill. And, yeah. You know, yeah. I was watching an interview with Ethan Hawke the other mm. day, the actor, and he made that very point. You know, he's like, in good times, art is luxury. You yeah. Know? But in the bad times, art is sustenance. Mm. Um, and he's so right. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I've thought about this a lot. You know, if, if I'm in a doctor's waiting room, for example, and there's like TV on or yeah. smooth FM, you know. <laughs> like at one level, those things are completely incidental. Yeah. At another level, they actually are really helpful in those mm. difficult moments where it's like, oh, I just need something to yeah. latch on to. Yeah. I just need some reminder that there's beauty out there yeah. in this clinical difficult experience. I need some reminder that actually there's good yeah. things in the world and yeah. smooth FM in that moment does it for me. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> hopefully um, there are also uh, Christian songs that will, will take us to that. Do you think of well. yourself as like in terms of your kind of performance uh, uh, non-congregational stuff do you think yeah. of yourself in the category also being a uh, like a Christian music or do you think of yourself as a musician who happens to be Christian this is more like a genre category yes, question yeah, like, do you think yeah. of yourself as I'm in that the Christian music industry or yeah. I'm in just in the music industry I happen to be a Christian uh, I have oscillated yeah okay. uh, right now I see myself as a Christian musician yeah you know in, in the Christian music industry yeah um, on any release that I put out I usually have a couple of really overt Christian songs, mm-hmm. um, but I usually also have songs that are informed by my faith yeah. and informed by my experience of God, but may not use explicit Christian language. In fact, probably don't. Well, even in the concert last night, we right. did Crowded House and Tears for Fears, so we were even covering stuff that wasn't just covering other Correct. Christian musicians, but it was a Christian Correct. concert. That was, but what I love, and, mm-hmm. and, and we've talked about this a lot yeah. um, over, throughout our, our chats, but I feel like... Uh, to be able to engage with the world is mm. absolutely part of the Christian experience. Yeah. You know, we don't live in a, in a bubble. Uh, so to be able to reference another beautiful song, mm. so last night I sang Four Seasons in One Day by Crowded yeah. House, you know. To be able to reference a song like that, which frankly sounds like a hymn to mm. me and is beautifully poetic and refers to the notion of seasons, which is like thoroughly biblical yeah. um, and tries to grapple with the, those kind of movements and phases of life yeah. Uh, as a Christian, I want to go, that is firstly incredibly beautiful piece of music mm. and all humans are made in God's image and so yeah. we have to give God due honour for that and, and praise for that. That the songwriter Neil Finn and Tim Finn um, are imaging God mm. in the way that they, even if yeah. they, who knows if they acknowledge that or not. But yeah. And then um, and secondly to just say like, oh, there is um, great merit in us seeing the value in stuff that doesn't come out of the church, you know, just like you go and see a great movie, you go see a Marvel movie, you know, they're not all going to be great, but there are great moments in them. There's beautiful stuff. There's storytelling. There's all this stuff, which, uh, we can just, we can just be thankful for. Yeah. And so I think with music, I tend to have that mindset of my experience of life is not all lived in the church. In fact, most of my life is outside of the church walls. And so um, I'm walking through the world just like anyone else. And so 
my experience that comes up in songwriting is often going to be a reflection of that, but landing in my faith and yeah. landing in yeah. my relationship with God. So Before we drill into some how-tos, and we're yeah. going to do that by pulling apart a song, uh, a particular song and, and the, what went into creating it and why it's structured the way it is, all that kind of stuff, so that's, it's going to be fun. Um, but uh, there was a, um, an Onion article a few years ago <laughs> that said, find the thing you really love yeah. and then do it on weekends and late at night yes. and in the cracks of your life know, <laughs> when you're half awake as, as kind of, you know, folk, uh, false inspirational kind of reality check to go. Like, like that's yeah. most people's experience. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess we were reflecting on how how weird, weirdly rare it is, even if lots of people appreciate what you do, how yeah. rare it is for people to actually say, hey, Greg, I really appreciate what you do. Yeah. Keep up the good... Like, that's yeah, actually yeah. a really rare thing. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe people assume someone else is saying it or who am I? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows why? But um, but that's a relatively common thing for people if they're yeah. doing this extra thing. Yeah. That it's, uh, encouragement is rarer to come by than you'd think. Yeah. So we've got an audio opportunity, hopefully, yeah. out there. There are lots of little little Gregs, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. um, other people who would be writers and maybe feel some of them feel discouraged yeah. or, or like, what's the point of this? And, yeah. um, maybe some feel a bit of that that um, that meekness of going, oh, well, that's not really, you know, this is a frivolous thing, it's not really a Christian thing, you know, whatever it is. Um, so what's a word of encouragement? We, yeah. could, we could be that person. What do you want to say to the, the would-be um, songwriters, including those who aren't even writing for church but for, in, for some other audience or even just for themselves? Absolutely. Uh, just to pick up your, your first point about, um, you know, how we do art and whether it's a full-time thing or whether we make heaps of money off it or... Because this is all part of it. Mm. I personally made a decision many years ago that I was not going to be a full-time artist, that I didn't want to put the pressure on the art to make it the thing that sustained my life. Mm. And so uh, when I came out of university, I worked as a lawyer and then I did art in the cracks. Yep. But I found there were very few cracks because a, a profession like law is just so completely all-consuming. And so I eventually, uh, for a few, few reasons, I stepped away from that, moved into ministry and particularly music ministry. And so that gave me more opportunities to blend my creative life with my work life. Uh, but just to say there is absolute validity in doing art late at night <laughs> on the weekends yeah. in the cracks. Yep. We've, we've developed a society uh, expectation of art that it should be full-time and that it should be a money owner mm-hmm. uh, and there should be a big money owner and that um, art equals... Um, sorry, art needs to sort of be uh, commodified. Yeah. And yeah. but actually, uh, that's a very recent thing in in history. Yeah. And actually, the the wider span of history um, really practiced sort of art for its own sake. For beauty is its own reward type thing. Except um, for the very elite kind of patron church court stuff. But even the patron model yeah. was very different. So that that's was, right. Yeah, that's, it's not a market model, is it? It's not a market yeah, model. Right. It's a patron yeah. model which mm. says, um, actually, we believe so much in what you do that we're going to provide you with a salary yeah. or whatever yeah. to, to make sure you can do that. Yes, uh, yeah, good point. And that's how kind of record labels worked over the last, you know, 40 years or whatever as mm. well. So anyway, just just that background. I think it's important just to be able to it's, say it's legitimate, even if it's yeah. not. You know, in fact, I yeah. would even go so far as to say I think there's real health in having a structured job or study or something mm. during the week or during the days or, yeah. or some of the days in the week that give you that opportunity to kind of structure your life 
have a regular. So, this income. is the thing, like the, the career incomes that record companies, you know, pre-streaming, were right. able to provide yeah. from the nineteen fifties onwards was often very bad for the human beings who made it, wasn't it? Like, it, it really is not good for humans <laughs> to be a rock star, by and large. Or you need a lot of artificial structure to... Correct. ..to stay healthy, you know, doing Correct. that. It's, it's really been a, a terrible tragedy, becoming famous. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it can be healthy, actually, to have these other structures. Have those, particularly <laughs> for the Christian, because I think yes. um, so yeah. much of... You know, I hinted at it before, but the idea of the corporate identity, like mm. that's, that's, that's scripture, right? Like yeah. New Testament is addressing largely the corporate identity yeah. and obviously Old Testament as well. So um, for us, it's quarter our identity to say, which community am I embedded in mm. and am I, am I committing to regularly? And I yeah. think um, this, is, this is not against the touring musician, absolutely not. Like that, that's an absolutely valid and wonderful thing, but I do think... The touring, regularly touring musician who's a Christian needs to find ways of being yeah. deeply embedded in community. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all that to say, absolutely have the um, structure, the day job, the whatever that can give you structure, give you uh, some finances to support and and um, make your art. And then as to the art encouragement thing. Uh, Everyone has such a varied story with this. Like, people who were kids and maybe had piano lessons and it didn't go so well, like, it still carry that wound. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's a legit wound. Like, I hear terrible stories of people who went to a piano lesson and were told, you'll never learn piano or you should never this or just these kind of absolute phrases. So there's like... It's like a prophecy of yeah. your life, isn't it? Yeah. To which I just think, what, yeah. what did that person have to gain from doing that? Like, oh, no. why? Can we not just be a bit more kind of... Um, uh, yeah, so and... my brother and I both did, um, you know, more the compulsory kind of growing up piano lessons thing, and I was more temperamentally inclined to sure. that than he was. He sure. didn't love it, and it yeah. was actually him then picking up the guitar, separate yeah. from the whole AMEB, using just like how to play the guitar. You know, and he was the one who ended yeah. up at the conservatory with yeah. music out the other end. But it was, you know, and and that goes to show it was more about the the pedagogy or yeah, or even just what what instrument vibed with him better, you know, yeah, or, what, or whatever, you know, or contemporary music rather than classical, whatever it was, um, we got outside of that and yeah. suddenly, you know, he was the muso, not me, so there you go. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I mean, those voices are real and they will keep coming up, but I think uh, for the Christian artist, knowing that your gift is God-given mm-hmm. and that this, this is actually ultimately a conversation between you and God, uh, to come to him regularly and say, God, you know, thank you for this gift and what do you want me to do with it? Um, would you please show me what I should do with it? Would you please give me the opportunities, the relationships, the the skill development, um, all that sort of stuff? And uh, my deep sense is that most people are creative. Mm. I, I'm not saying they're necessarily artists who create, uh, you know, heaps of stuff, but I think people's temperament and wiring is to be creative and I think we as a society have kind of lost particularly here in Australia have lost a sense of treasuring how good creativity can be I think mm. it's much more common in in Europe to uh, to really value that and then I've done a bunch of trips to Nashville and it's just widely accepted that musicians are valued and mm. treated as equals so there is a sense in this country particularly of oh you're an artist, yeah, but what do you really do? <laughs> that is so, yep. so common. Yeah. And so I think just um, 
kind of laughing at that a bit mm. and smiling and being like, well, actually, I do a couple of things and mm. one is not more real than the other. Yes. Um, and art, just because it's not earning my whole salary for the year, mm. doesn't make it less valid or less beautiful. Or, um, But I honestly think there are things we know we just have to do deep down. Yeah. And for my, my own experiences, that songwriting and music is a tap. Like, I, I just can't turn off. Uh, the ideas just keep coming. And um, I, at the end of the day, I just love to pick up a guitar and, you know, plug in my electric guitar and get lost in that world, for example, um, and just create. Or I love to sit and reflect on an idea and just kind of come up with lyrics, even if no one ever hears them. Yeah. There's beauty in just creating. Um, and so... As you said before, it's very rare for people to come up uh, and there, there is often encouragement in the, in the form of, thank you for that, that was great or that was beautiful. There's very rarely a sense of people coming up to you and saying, you should really be doing that. Yes, yeah, that's, that's um, a good distinction. Yes. Just, there's there's the, the, the thumbs up kind of thing, but then there's yes. a different thing for people to say that word again. Yes. What you're doing is valuable. Yes. Chase that, follow yes. that. Yes, yeah. I yeah. can count probably on one hand the number of times that's happened mm. in my life. And yeah. um, and that's okay. Mm. I, I'm good with that. Yeah. Because uh, I have no doubt of the way God has kind of wired me and mm. what I need to be doing. But it's taken a while probably to get to the, that place. But it's helpful for the pers- person maybe listening to this who goes, oh, maybe I'm kidding myself fiddling around with the piano because no yeah. one has said that, you know, important people haven't said this thing to me. But yes. we're actually saying, actually, that's... Actually, it proves nothing because most yeah. most artists don't have people saying that kind of mental yeah. word, or very rarely. So, yeah. so don't assume that That's you've right. got to wait for that to happen as as an as an evidence because yeah. it's it's actually rarer, <laughs> rarer it, than you it's, think. It's really rare, yeah. and people often need to just be shown. So, a classic example is you know you, you put on a gig yeah. and you just invite people along and you just show them what you do without talking about it. You know, mm. I heard a great quote which was talking about music is like dancing about architecture yeah. it just makes no sense right yeah. like sometimes yeah. people trying to explain to people what you do with music or why it's good yeah. there are limits to that sometimes just show them yeah and and let god join the dots for people yeah. um yeah but i think it's probably true of any any career or any profession to a certain extent that at a certain point you know you have to just have the courage of your convictions as yeah. they say so, so have the conviction and then have the courage to act on those convictions and just and just go with it. Yeah, because they talk about imposter syndrome, don't they? Yeah. In any number of fields. That's right. Like you say, it's that's like, right. oh, do I really belong in the room with the other managers? Yeah, that's right. Or lawyers yeah. or, yeah. or um, small business owners. Who am I kidding? They all know that I'm not the real deal. But everyone else is thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that as a teenager yeah. in, the, in the kind of, you know, the, the kind of uh, hip, uh, uh, kind of punk music scene, kind of feeling like I was, yeah, I was the one desperately wanted to fit in, and yeah. everyone else was completely comfortable in their own skin. And it was just that paradigm shift moment to go. Actually, probably every single person at this gig is self consciously looking around at everyone else, assuming someone else totally belongs. And we do that right through our adult lives, right? We're consciously, we're, we're still in the high school kind of hallways, aren't we? So checking to see <laughs> who's who's the person who belongs and do Absolutely. they realise that I don't belong? Yeah. And will I be found out? <laughs> but what's cool about yeah. what's cool about art um, is that uh, God has given you, each individual, a unique voice. So uh, we can often assume 
it's it's a version of the imposter syndrome. It's when you're writing a song, you can assume, oh, someone else will have written this or someone mm. else can write this. Yeah. Or, I want to say, no, they can't. Mm. Uh, God has given unique voice and unique thoughts and words and perspectives to everyone. I mean, there's no one who's lived exactly the same life yep. as, as each of us, right? Yep. And so being able to write or paint or photograph or whatever out of that place is really important. But I think what sort of sets art apart from a lot of these other careers that we've just mentioned is that there's no pathway. You know, I can't sign up to a course that's like, you know, these are the steps for writing a song, for producing, to releasing. I mean, you can. You can do like, don't get me wrong, you can do sort of um, music diplomas and stuff that that have that. But what I mean is like the actual just doing it year after year after year is ultimately Mm. just a personal conviction and is the personal work of, up and and I gather from con students that that's actually what those sort of elective type subjects often admit, right? Right. So here you are being trained, you know, to be qualified with a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in music. And now we've got the workshop subject that says, now here's what your career (laughs) will look like, which may be a total patchwork and and, and unpredictable. So that's, that's you know, even when you are in the course, that's, you know, that's the... um, uh, poorly kept secret, you know. Yes. Like, yeah, very few of you'll end up being even, yeah. you know, fifth violin in an orchestra that's somewhere right. in a stable way. That's right. You'll all be a mix of the hustle and the whatever. Yeah. And I think there's often a natural and fair disappointment with that. Like, mm. I think we maybe yeah. set our sights on a certain thing, and we see our idols you yeah. know, we've looked up to, mm-hmm. and, um, but, you know, at any given time, the industry looks different from the year before, and yeah. there are different market forces at work, and all that sort of stuff. So I think just being realistic about what the market and the, and the industry looks at at any given point. Like, then, it's like we've even talked about with the Christian music industry. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. even live music for Christian yeah. stuff has ebbs and flows. Yeah. Absolutely. And then saying, okay, well, what is the unique wiring or makeup that mm-hmm. I have that I can actually utilize and um, honor God with? Yeah. And it may look like full-time music or glory be to God, but it may look like some music, some being a gardener, mm. some working in an accountancy firm, yeah. some like work that's for all a church. Good. Yeah. Work for a church, whatever you yeah. know. And I think we probably just need to be more comfortable about that um, as kind of realistic expectations. Yeah. Um, but to just find great joy in the art in the midst of all that. Well, let's yeah. let's switch across the second half of our time to think about actually the mechanics of writing a song, and we're going to do this rather than. In general principles, we're going to begin with the specific and work out from there to general principles as we go. That's the way we're going to tackle it. So we're going to do the same God, which is a pretty powerful pandemic song, man. Like yeah. It's, yeah, it's um, and it's it's a fun one. I mean, we'll be looking at um, even potentially talking about some of the uh, kind of very richly produced one from the EP, but people can also listen to an acoustic version yes. of the EP as well, which yeah. is a good example of how different things... Just even the backing creates a different interpretation or yeah. different emphasis to a, how a song. Yeah. So, so we'll get right through to actually the production and, and the arrangement. But let's Great. let's begin with inspiration, composition. So, yes. you know, h- how do you get the idea for a song? Like, yeah. you, you've got this great song. It seems so finished and polished. Did yeah. it just drop out of the sky like yeah. the Book of Mormon? You know, what was the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes they do, very rarely, but sometimes they do. And I think the media has not done us any favours on that front. Mm-hmm. In, in often, you read a really finely tuned press release from a big artist. Uh-huh. And, you know, oh, I wrote this song in 
less than the time it takes to sing the song. You know, like people are like, oh, it was just the easiest thing ever. I mean, sometimes the inspiration is like that, but my experience is, uh, and most of the artists that I know, yeah. that there may be a flash of a inspiration. Local, a local Hobart muso said one of the things that was great about the recent um, Get Back documentary, the three-part thing about the making of the Let It Be album, was how well it showed a lot of what the creative process is like, and he described yeah. it as... Um, as like lava, <laughs> like just this right. slow moving mess. As you're just watching like the song get back slowly get written. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, like obviously, yeah. you know, at the same time, McCartney woke up having dreamt yesterday. <laughs> I know. So, I so know. both they Quite had bad. both both, yeah. both experiences. But that was really good for showing the other side, which is what you're talking about. Of yes. Iterations. Yeah. Yeah. So in the case of the same God. Yeah. So so it was, a, it was an idea. I mean, actually, in in preparation for today, I went back and looked at my demo. Mm. Um, and there are a ton of them so there's just like a look at my voice notes on my phone there's just probably I don't know at least 20 mm -hmm. of the same God over different periods of time yeah. and the song evolved over about five, six months that really started as a stream of consciousness so it was inspiration I mean literally and since your voice notes is like a, an yeah. author has their notebook correct sometimes this is a way you can catch the, the audio yeah. yeah so I was literally just sitting on my um, couch at home yeah, just grab a guitar. And uh, the first demo was like it was a like a lilting country thing, like. Yeah. And then I was just rambling words. So I had like the shape of the melody that was emerging. That, so did you know what it was going to be about? No. No. That is so... Because... It was an idea. Right. Because the melody is this antsy, ruminating... Like, yeah. I assumed it was the other way around. Because I just yeah. felt like it, it captures what it... It feels like you're pacing around a room. Yeah. Well, that's what it was. It was kind of yeah. sitting... And then I was at one point kind of pacing around the room. And then I... Listening back to the first yeah. demo, I mean, there's actually a break where I'm trying to, like, come up with a chorus. And it uh -huh. then launches into the same God. So mm. that, that, that series yeah. of words just comes out. In any other time, I might be planning trips, getting on the fingertips, doing all the suns night. In any other time, we might be lying low, holding close in the radio. In other time, but the same God. Don't give up. He's holding your hand. So that that was yeah. very natural, yeah, and then nice. I just fine tuned all that. So that that stuff really was inspiration. But then it was like, well, what is this verse gonna say? Mm. And uh, how am I gonna fine tune that chorus as well? But the verse, um, I remember having the idea pretty soon after that, like that that same morning about in in any other time, what mm. would I be doing in May or whatever the month was? Yes, yeah. you know. Um, I'd be doing this, I'd be doing that. And I'd been listening to an interview with um, Ivor Davies from Ice House, who's an <laughs> yeah. absolute favourite songwriter of mine. Mm -hmm. Ice House in the 80s are just an incredible band and really a backdrop to a lot of Australian kind of life, really. But he talks a lot about the idea of writing with um, picture words. So yeah. words that will conjure up images for us. And so particularly because I was stuck in a living room at that point, yeah. I, I really wanted yeah. those, those words. And so... Um, 
And any other time I might be free to roam I wouldn't be cooped up here alone um, and, uh, and just kind of going through all those things uh, Hit the beach on Saturday Save the roar of the crashing waves Listen to music like it's the best thing in the world mm. Just those kind of really specific, detailed yep. things That I would love to be doing um, Rather than sitting in a living room day after day after yep. day uh, and is already at this point the rhythm changing to capture that? So, like, as you're playing it, obviously, yeah. it's sounding more like the end result. Was that already happening that you're going, hang on, no, this is a different... Yeah. This has a slightly different um, edge to it than a... That's a great question. I couldn't actually track where the shift in rhythm yeah. happened, but I'd, it, it definitely shifted from being a lilting sort of back-of-the-beat country yeah. thing to a more leaning forward... Where you, yeah. Gives it that antsy feeling, right? That that, that feeling. Yeah. Correct. Mm. So, um, so that was really how that came about. But I didn't. That was probably about uh, April or May mm-hmm. of 2020, and then we recorded it in about October. So there was six months of sort of iterations mm-hmm. of just, you know, it's just like working on an essay or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's literally just revisiting it time after time after time. Yeah. And. Uh, thinking, does that still work? Does that still work? Um, I can vividly remember um, getting on a bus. Uh, I'd just been to something and I got on a bus and the idea of um, counting my plans on my fingertips came mm. to me. I don't know why. I just looked at my hand and that, that idea of fingertips came to me and I was like, oh, because, you know, that's often how we list things. Yeah. Like, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. So I dropped that lyric in. And yeah. so, so I guess just... Um, which again is a really powerful I mean, this is me raving to you about the song but it's powerful sure. because on the one hand that's immediately saying I've got so many plans yeah. got, you know, heaps of them because I'm free I'm not locked up yeah. but on the other hand that very quickly brings you back to a tight fist and back into the room again doesn't it like it's, ah, a, really it, well it's sort of a, you know it yes. works in both directions yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that but well, it does. there you go yeah thank you so this <laughs> yeah. is why you create music because people can interpret it, yeah, interpret yeah. it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I think what I try and do is I kind of have the, the net open for a time mm-hmm. when I'm writing yeah. so I have the initial seed Mm. and then I just I try and limit myself to working on one song for a a period of like a week or two weeks and have the net open and kind of say to myself like I just want to let ideas and phrases drop into that net um, and let my brain do the subconscious work as Mm -hmm. I'm travelling about and as I'm Doing my other work. Which preachers can relate to with sermons, right? right? You right. do your, your early exegesis yes. early in the week, partly so that, yeah. that then you're sitting with you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And then um, and just let it um, percolate mm-hmm. in the background. And then there's a pretty you know, good process that just happens pretty yeah. naturally where the good stuff remains and the yeah. bad stuff falls away. And being okay with the bad stuff falling away. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes, I, I mean, I take that bad stuff quote unquote that's not quite right for this song and then just copy it into another document and just have it sitting there for inspiration you might drop it elsewhere yeah because you don't want sort of things to be wasted and you just never know where it will maybe turn up again Uh, do you often I mean I don't know whether it's true with this song but do you ever kind of um, reach out and um, kind of very consciously go I want something that's a bit like what this song does or something that uh, you know like I love the way how does so and so resolve this thing yeah I want to get that kind of yeah. Do, do you consciously do that sometimes yeah, or is that more happening at a... It's, it's subconscious and conscious. Okay. I think um, particularly when you get into the recording phase, I often, um, or every, every time I go into the studio, mm. I give the, the team I'm working with um, a list of reference tracks. Yeah, okay. So this is the kind of palette of sounds I'm going yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, this is the style of kind of beats and rhythms that I want to go for. Um, 
Cool. You know, so we might is, come back to that then yeah, for this song. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's really important, I think. Um, it's it's very rare that the song ends up sounding very much like those things at all. Yeah. But it gives you the inspiration and mm-hmm. the kind of reference points to get going. Yeah. And to just dive in and yep. to go for it. Um, and the rest of this song was actually... So the, the bridge section is, is really the only remaining section of this song. Mm which is actually another song altogether that I was working on with a friend of mine. Can we pause on that then? Yeah, yeah it, sure. There's several interesting structure things. So sure. let's, let's do each of them in yeah. turn. So again, this is now a universal principle for the songwriter out there. Like you begin writing songs and you think verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, yeah. chorus, chorus, and you're done, right? Sure. But this one, which again fits the theme, it's yeah. actually verse, verse, verse. So that already is a ruminating sort of feeling, right? Correct, yeah, um, that's so a really that, good observation. So that's a good thing for people to know. You don't have to go straight verse-chorus. You can actually do verse and then verse. And in this case, it's verse-verse-verse. And even then you kind of have, I don't know what you call it, what do you call it, like a bridge or a pre-chorus? A pre-chorus? Yeah, so there's this one line that kind of isn't the chorus and it's not the... Ver- that, that, what is it? The different really lives. Really different lives now. And so that line, just out of interest, yeah, that was a line I'd, I'd emailed someone about not being able to do something because of the lockdown. Yeah. And, and she replied and said... That's totally fine, Greg. We all live different lives now. So it's like a, another voice speaking into the song. Yeah. So yeah. that's another, in terms of having the net open. So let's get, can you do that line, give us a, uh, like maybe so, run from the verse three. Uh, the whole world's not okay, I don't feel good today. I'm wondering when I'll next get paid. Missing the family and friends that make me who I am. We live different lives now. Now, and that's quite different if it just goes for who I am, but the same God. Yeah. Like there's something quite different that that, that l- extra little, it's just a line, but it, it d- adds another dimension, which is quite interesting that it's almost another voice speaking into the song. That's cool. Because part of it is yeah. just logically, why do I need to sing about the same God? Why, mm-hmm. why am I making this point of contrast? Mm. Um, what is this any other time I'm talking about or any other or any other town, you know, like, why is there this contrast dynamic yeah. going on? And I think the, the notion of we live different lives now mm. is the key to that. Um, and it can be the pandemic or it can be any shift in your experience yeah. that you go through. I mean, illness is a big one like that. I've, I've experienced a bunch of that in my life and it deeply unsettles you and, and basically creates a new life to what you've been experiencing mm. previously. So that notion of, well, I live a different life now, but the same God. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to have something like that. And so to see a line like that in an email, I was just like, yep, <laughs> that, yeah, that awesome. captures it. Yeah. So thank you. So that's yeah. good for people to realise that, isn't it? That the structure, yeah. you can store, you know, if something's not working or doesn't have that extra something, yeah. then realising you don't have to just go straight to the chorus. No. Or you could even go, oh, I'm missing something yeah. to get me to yeah. the chorus. Yeah. yeah. And look, there is... Um, a reality that you know that like you know at the crude end they say don't bore us get to the chorus mm-hmm. right that's a yeah. kind of a but there's a reality that in music now you want to probably get to the chorus by about the one minute mark mm-hmm. at the latest yeah it's it's typically much earlier than that if you mm-hmm. analyze most pop music it's mm-hmm. like usually around the 40 30 40 second mark now um well there's a whole thing that's a whole other 
the Spotify junkyard where it's like songs go for 90 seconds, right? Spotify junkyard. <laughs> but you know yeah. what I'm talking I've, about. I've yeah. hung yeah. out there for a while. Yeah. I know. I know what you mean. It's it's, it's, it's depressing. Yeah. But but um but there's a reality. Like just modern production has pretty much ditched introductions, ditched bridges. Man, the start of August and Everything After by the Cannon Crows has okay. like 10 seconds of silence almost. I can't get away with that now, you know. <laughs> so so we we don't really let our yeah. songs breathe in the same way that we used yeah. to but I I don't necessarily like subscribe to that uh-huh. I'm it's just good saying to be aware it's of good that to time. be aware of yeah. it and yeah. particularly when you go into the studio and you start recording with a band and you start bringing it to other people's eyes being able to have a sense of why your song has a structure that it does yeah. and why the timings may be a little different is really quite important yeah. so you hit on it exactly when you said that the three verses at the start is to create that sense of unease that mm. sense of asymmetry yeah. of like discomfort um, and then but still being able to get to the chorus in a good time I mean I think I get there before the one minute mark of the song I have to yeah. check but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I think it's about the 50 second mark but. so then here's my second take on structure and you tell me what you think about this yeah. <laughs> I feel like the structure of the song because you already mentioned this, it's like a different song towards the end. Yeah. Uh, it feels to me, this ages me and also is a bit odd, but stick with me. It's a bit like Sweet Child of Mine. Okay. Like you got Sweet Child, the main of the song, she's got eyes, it seems to me, you know, yeah. first solo, it's a kind of major chord solo. Yeah. Towards the end of the song, the second solo is like a minor solo, and you get onto that really long, where do we go now, where okay. do we go, and it gets, you know. I'm not familiar enough with the song. I'm you sorry. listen to that. I okay. only know the chorus. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a November rain guy. <laughs> Um, it's quite. I mean, it's it's interesting because it is such a just a happy poppy song. But then yeah. the end of it is like a different beast. Yeah. And the thing that gets you to the end is, in that case, it's a guitar solo that's a minor key guitar solo and whatever. So here we don't actually go back to the pacing around the room once yeah. you hit this hold on, right? Yeah. And this right. was really striking when you performed it last night as well. Yeah. That you've got this same God, same God, and then suddenly we hit into uh, a, a more confident um, yeah. self talk. Yeah. Um, that's taken the theology and is now kind of owning it almost and yeah. that kind of thing um, and resolves uh, resolves to not give in to the dark days and then it stays positive from then, right? And right. then you even end with something that only appears once as well, the very final yeah. line. Could you yeah. play that final line? Because that doesn't appear anywhere else, is yeah, that right? so it's just... Um... Faithful yesterday, today and forever um, and the way it's produced in the final track is like kind of blink and you'll miss it, mm. which is very deliberate. Yeah, and it doesn't even have quite a hard cut that it doesn't even fade like out. Yeah. Mm. I think there's a little like loop yeah. which mm. could, keeps going. Mm. But thematically, that's that's the song. Mm. God is faithful yesterday, yeah. today, and forever. Yeah. Um, but I love this is this is a kind of a classic difference between congregational writing and mm. personal writing. If that was a congregational song. You don't, you know, bury the lead. You don't, no. you don't, you don't slip that in <laughs> yeah. at the end as like an afterthought. Yeah. Mm. But the reason I did that here is because that's it. Took me that long in my life experience to get to that realization. Mm. Just because I know the theology doesn't mean I necessarily uh, feel it instantly and know yep. it instantly. I have to like go through the journey and then walk walk it with God for Him to help me remember that often. Yep. So I wanted to paint the song in. Real time, in a sense. Yeah, it's great. Um, and so, yeah, the hold on bridge section. I mean, so I felt, you had that as a separate song on the shelf yeah, somewhere, did you? I felt there was a need for something different musically to go on in the song to open it up mm-hmm. a bit because it's all very, as you said, like quite. There's an intensity to it, and it's all quite sort of um, short, um, uh, short notes and and kind of 
so I thought it does need a bridge, and often songs do have uh, a bridge, or even if a very short one. But I just a couple of weeks prior to um, recording this song, because this bridge came in very late in the piece, a couple of weeks before recording it, I'd been hanging out with my friend Luke Woodhouse, who's a minister in Sydney, and we write songs together, and he just had this thing going, and he's like, oh, just pop around, I want you to see if you can add something to this song I'm working on. And it was called um, Dark, and it was just um, like a pulsing uh, synth thing. Don't give in, don't give in to song um but then as i got close to recording this and realized it needed a bridge i was thumbing through my phone and thinking what are some ideas in my voice memos here and so this one worked um yeah and i thought it would work well because it modulates as well so it changes key mm -hmm. to get into that section yeah. so i felt like it would it would lift the whole thing to go there um, so is there a chord progression that gets to that change of key or does it just uh, land on it you can, uh, don't give up no Got your best at heart. Uh, what gets you there is I go, ooh, ho. Okay. And so that so then sort of sets You've got it. a note which is preempting the new key, yeah. but still works over the old chord. Got your best at heart. Ooh, and so it suddenly changes what that one chord is now. Uh, you know, different in terms of the root. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. How fun. Um, so there is... All, you don't have to of, do this kind of four chord kind of modulation thing to... Theoretically <laughs> you do, but... Um, and I'm, I trained it classically, and mm. so that's absolutely what you're supposed to do in classical yeah. music is have like a pivot chord, they call it, mm -hmm. um, or series of chords to mm. get you into the new key. And, and often, you know, it's good to do that. In this case, but it's implied. I realised it was okay to imply it here. Does the... Jumping ahead, does anything else in the final recorded version, along with your voice? That's no, just that, yeah, interesting. Okay. No, nothing preempts the new key. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to like pop music, they just jump into the new key. Yeah. They don't even give a warning. They're yeah. just like, okay, I guess we're yeah. there now. So it's kind <laughs> of accepted, but uh, just musically, I wanted to make sure I kind of had some trace of classical theory mm -hmm. in there by like preempting -pre with a little pivot note, you might call it. Um, so yeah, then that. Again, that cycles the hold on, the hold on. I mean, we were in production, we were trying to work out how many times you're supposed to sing that. We yeah. went with four in the end. Um, and then kind of ends with... Uh, Lang language is grace. And we're back to the same mm -hmm. God um, chorus again in a solo pattern, but we're back in the old key. Yeah. So okay. again, that final note on his language is grace that I sing is the one that um, leads you back in. Did like you play with whether or not to go back to the old key or not? Uh, no, Just, I knew I wanted to get back there. Okay. I yeah. knew I wanted to get back there. Because um, what, what's interesting is um, uh, that whole section as well, 
it all is all going up, right? Everything yeah. else is even the chorus, which is positive. Yeah, kind of has that sort of like um, Wonder Wall sort of down, right? Dropping down the chord sort of feeling. Yeah, right? it's, it's still going down, right? Whereas yep. this is all. That's a really good yeah. point. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think getting to a place like I mean, if you were to graph the song, it starts quite dark, but then hopefully ends yeah positive and optimistic, or at least mm-hmm. optimistic, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, theologically you want to. Uh, land at that place of his faithful yesterday, mm-hmm. today and forever. Yeah. Um, I also think, I really wanted to get that line in there of don't give in, don't give up, because I actually think that just continuing in the Christian walk is a really underrated yeah. thing. Yep. Um, just turning up. Yeah, the number of times, stand firm, endure, persevere. You know, these are right. such common exhortations, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do not give up meeting together. Yeah. That's huge, right? Like, just... Just do it. You don't even have to do it well, although hopefully we will. <laughs> yeah. But just yeah. turn up yeah. and just keep going. You know, um, you know, as we know, that's that's where we want to land at the end of our Christian life oh, is, is yeah. um, having endured. So uh, I did want to get that in, and I, th- I think, uh, yeah, anything that can encourage yeah. us in that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on that kind of. If you like the demo side of things before we go then into kind of arranging and production recording all that. No, I mean, that's a bit of a snapshot. I mean, it's yeah. probably, it's a lot of detail for, for people listening, but hopefully it gives you a sense of... Well, when do you do this? The you know construction. Know I mean? People may oh, not get to... Do, so that's why it's fun to kind it, of it is. slow but, down. But yeah. just just so people know, like, there's, there's that much effort required mm-hmm. to usually bring a thing to its final kind of structure at least. Yeah. And that's before you even record. So I guess the encouragement would be, take your time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no rush. Like, you set the time schedule. Um, and just because a song doesn't come out in one sitting does not mean anything, you know. And I guess we've touched on collaboration as well and going, yeah. that doesn't, that's not all or nothing either. It's not like you have to write a whole song with a person or else you can't have collaborators. That's it. You can have these friendships who are, um, yeah, snippets maybe lent in and borrowed. And, and I guess you then Absolutely. have to, is this You do have credit, to credit. This is credited, yeah. But I'll gladly credit because there's no, yeah. no way I would have come up. Mm. With that, you know, like, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you sat down with Luke and wrote the whole song with Luke. Correct. He has to have a same say about every single bit, um, any more than most of Lennon McCartney stuff wasn't written, you know, yeah. kind of face to face. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, in, in sort of embrace that and use it as a resource. You can even I, bring. I mean, do you ever like bring something where you go, it's missing something? Yeah. Can you give it a listen and Absolutely. tell me what you do? Okay. And over time, you'll work out who your trusted collaborators are. You know, because that's the thing too, right? Because there might be someone who's great, but yeah. they're just not. Yeah. They don't quite get what you're about, and so their suggestions are yeah. just not quite... And, and that's okay. Like, yeah. I hear stories of famous songwriters who get put in a room together to, to work, and just nothing happens. Yeah. So we, they go, oh, we actually just went for lunch, because, like, we couldn't, just couldn't, we couldn't work together. Mm. And so I think working out who your trusted collaborators are um, is, is really important. Um, and then just being open to... Um, to their suggestions, particularly with congregational music, just to mm. quickly flip back I, to that. Yeah, good. I have a bit of a rule now that I um, only collaborate on congregational music. So um, I, I just think if we're going to put words and music in the mouths and hearts of that many people, mm. it's just our responsibility to do the work as at least a duo, if not a trio or yeah, more, cool. to collaborate and get the thing to a place that it sits well for a few people before we go out and test it um so i have a few key collaborators that i work with in that space and just to make sure that theology checks out and Mm. all that sort of stuff very different than a personal song where actually there's theology in this no doubt and i remember that phrase like he's got your best at heart 
I was recording this song with um with Andy Judd, who's a good friend of mine and a minister and well, lecturer at Ridley College, and I said, "He's got your best at heart." Like, am I allowed to say that? You know, like that's that's kind of Romans eight stuff. Like, mm. God works for the good of those who love Him. You know, and he's like, "Yeah, it's it's that's all right." Like, it's poetic license to mm. to say that, but you know. I wouldn't put that in a congregational song. Mm. I think that's going too far in a congregational mm. song. You know? Yeah. There you go. Good. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's then talk about... Uh, should we just do that all together? The kind of what instruments and yeah. who plays what, how high or how low sure. or how the... I got stuck on the word, but like the inversions or the voicing of the chords yeah. and the production, all that kind of stuff. There's probably several steps to that. Um, yeah. I don't know how much of that you do when you're recording and how much you kind of queue up in advance yeah. to, to bring to the studio. But what do you want to talk about? I mean, yeah, feel free to take this wherever you want to go yeah, and sure. maybe whatever, particularly with this song, is stands out in that process. Well, recording is such a different thing for everyone. Yeah. So some people like to just fire up their computer and do it at home all on their own. That's totally cool. For me, I've always valued collaboration, mm-hmm. um, particularly with a final product. I demo a lot on my own at home and kind of layer tracks and kind of build it up to a place where I feel like I've got the information in my head out onto the page, if you know what I yep. mean, so that I've kind of exhausted my thoughts on, on a song. Yep. So I, I typically do that before I take it to anyone else. But I really believe in collaboration and getting a great drummer in the room and a great bass player in the room um, and a great keyboard player in the room. So um, I try and record drums and bass together. I, think, uh, I was in a band many years ago, a worship band uh, called Garage Hymnal, and we recorded all of our music live in the room together. So that's one extreme. It's very expensive and mm-hmm. um, very time-consuming, but um, the music industry was different then, so we could afford to do it. Um, but what I realized from that is that creating a rhythm section energy is really important mm-hmm. um, into a track. And so for me, uh, I love that. I also think... I like the sense of occasion that comes with recording day is mm. Monday and get all your ducks in line and be ready to start recording, you know, and um, there's other people's time involved and there's money yeah. involved. And so yeah. it creates a sense of um, occasion and a sense of uh, uh, doing the work, you know. Just just quickly, do you save up and just throw money at it? Do you have patrons you bring? I mean, feel free to not talk about this if you don't feel comfortable, oh, but, okay. but how does how does that, because it, it's quite a few zeros goes into Correct. recording. Yeah, it's it's saved up. Yeah. Yep. That's how there you go. Yeah, good it takes you. time to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think being cool with that mm-hmm. is, is part of the process too. Yep. Um, but always using the time in the meantime productively because you can record at home for nothing. Yeah. And I, I could probably put out an album recorded at home mm. and spend very little money on it but I love the sense of occasion and yeah. I love involving my friends and I love doing that sort of thing together. And I, I now am very grateful to work at um, a studio in Sydney a lot called Church Street Studios with Sean Carey, who's an awesome producer and engineer. And so we just have a great working relationship. So it's it's very straightforward. Yeah, nice. But if you don't, maybe if you don't have a studio connection that you're so um, well connected with, I would say don't spend the money like mm. in the early days. I would say just get good at the craft yourself and work out how to do it. For, for next to nothing, you know, borrow mics and get yep. your friends over and just get comfortable with all of that um, before you then put money on the on the table. Um, so, and part of that's the comfort. I imagine is also a certain degree of confidence because if again, if you, if it's not a good relationship with the the expert, yeah, they could take you to something that you're not 
yeah. that you're not happy with, right? But you don't Absolutely. have the confidence to to speak up, or you, yeah. So that's probably an element. It's like that. with it's like with songwriting collaborators. Uh-huh. You get mm-hmm. to a place where you trust people's instincts. Yeah. Um, even if you don't have to speak about things very much, or you might each have an off day because we're human. Yeah, sure. But you ultimately trust people's instincts yeah. and where they'll take the project. Mm-hmm. And Sean and I particularly. I mean, we've worked together for um, over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done, we did a, an EP back in 2010 called Held Back the Sun and then one in 2013 called Again and Again. And we've worked differently each time in different places, but he now has his home base at Church Street. And so um, I just know that we both have similar musical sensibilities. Yeah. We both have um, similar goals for a song. Um, and... Yeah, so that works really well. And then just key musical collaborators um, who work on, on the songs with us. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we dive yep, into so, the production? Yeah. I guess just to say there is a phase called pre-production, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Um, a lot of people write and record a song at the same time now with their laptop and they're mm-hmm. like, cool, it's done. And maybe that's cool. My personal process is uh, writing, demoing, pre-production, recording, mixing, mastering. Mm-hmm. So it's quite involved to go from concept to completion. But for me, that's how to get the best result. I mm-hmm. just know myself, my own workflow and my own process. And so um, pre-production for this was uh, I sit at home. Again, when there's no studio clock running, I sit at home and I try and work out the best key for the song. Um, I try and work out the best tempo for the song because that's a really important thing. With this one, the tempo is very much dictated by how to sing those verse words because it's like a stream of consciousness. In any other time, and you have to be able to get those words out fast enough so the song has momentum, but slow enough that you can actually articulate them, and, yep. and that makes sense. Uh, and then, uh, and the key. I mean, with the guitar, you can just slide a. Capo you can put a capo, yeah. yeah it's like that, that, so I, I mess it? around with that, yeah. and yeah. everyone just working out, you know, for every everyone who might be listening, are working out what, where your voice sits best. And On the highs and the low notes. Exactly, yeah. work okay. out the yeah. range, and mm-hmm. I experimented with a few different keys. I, listening back to the first demo, my guitar was actually tuned down a semitone, because mm-hmm. um, I thought it might be better in like E flat minor, but it was way too dark. Mm, so, um, yeah. so sitting in E minor where it currently mm. starts is like is plenty dark enough probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah. so it's like, uh, dude, please, you know, like don't don't get too dark here. Mm-hmm. So let's just stay in E minor. Yeah. Um, and so there's that, and then working out, um, like literally just doing a voice memo of the song with me playing it on acoustic guitar, and looking at the time clock on it and being like, where do the sections fall? Yeah. Um, how long is the song overall? And then sitting with that for maybe a week and as I go on my walks and all that, what resonates with me, what doesn't. So giving the thing space to breathe. Because it could be, say, like if you feel you're getting to something too late, uh, again, this song doesn't do it, but sometimes songs even will have, if there's normally a four-line verse, there may well be one verse that's two lines rather than a full four or something that enables you to get somewhere quicker. That's right. Or you may not do the three. We talked about three verses before the chorus. You may go, I can't. It's taken too long. Two verses are going to have to do it, whatever. So you can... They can problem solve that, can't you? If you notice Absolutely. something in terms of your demo time, you go, oh, yeah. what, am I, what are my options here? Yeah. yeah, and getting a bit ruthless at that point. Yeah. Or even get rid of, if you have an intro, like yeah, s- sometimes you can have a kind of an uh, instrumental intro, can't you? And yeah. You go, oh, do I need the intro? I know. In this, like the real hard start, again, adds to the tension, doesn't it? It's just like yeah. suddenly we're in. Yeah. We're in, mm. yeah. Um, 
so yeah, and then I send it off to the guys who are going to be working on it, usually about a week before, mm. um, with a bunch of reference tracks. Yeah, okay. And so... What was uh, an example of a reference track for this? Can you remember? Uh, that's a great question. I, Don't worry. I, I can't actually yeah, remember. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know I was listening to um, a lot of... There's a, there was a Keith Urban record that came out at the time called The Speed of Now, mm-hmm. which was his kind of lockdown record. So I was listening to a lot of that because um, mm. Keith Urban's a great like curator of contemporary songwriting and contemporary sounds. So mm. he kind of he's a country artist, but he like stretches across a lot of genres. So I was listening to um, a lot of that. It's slightly, I mean, there's a darker song, but Fall at Your Feet by right. um, Crowded House is quite similar too, sure. right? In terms of that kind of... The intensity the thing. Inten- yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But so, that wasn't one of them? No, no, <laughs> no, no, I don't no, think no. so. Yeah, interesting. I don't think okay. so. I, yeah. I can't remember yeah. uh, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but just a, a whole range of things. And um, uh, so, because I trust these guys so much as well, like I let them sit with it for a week and then when we get into the studio or even if they email me back... They'll have suggestions. They'll have suggestions. Yeah, cool. And, I, and they'll be like, just, oh, often just a question. Uh, or like, yeah. what do you think about... And, you know, it gives me time to maybe mm-hmm. revise that before we head into the studio. Yeah, cool. Um, and then once we get into the studio... Um, and so being having this... I don't know how many listeners are this person, but having too high a view of your artistry that everything is oh, sure. untouchable... You're just you're just setting yourself short, aren't you? Like to actually be receptive to that stuff rather than like, no, no, no you got to understand the reason it's like, yeah, <laughs> and you're too defensive, yeah, and see that all as an attack. You're yeah. missing out on people who want, yeah. want what's best for the song, right? Yeah, I think what you said there is key. Mm. Who want what's best for the song? Yeah, and I think um, serve, working out how to serve the song is mm. a bit of a um, uh, overarching principle yeah. in this whole process because. It's about you, you having created it to a certain point, but at a certain point, it's about it's this, the songs. Yeah. And you've got to let the song be what it wants to be, mm-hmm. um, which sounds super vague, I know, but <laughs> anyone who writes will get that. That once it's out of your head onto yeah. the page, yeah. it's its own creation, and mm. you need to kind of work out how to honour that. Um, so getting into the studio, we... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really unglamorous. We like pull up that tempo and we go, is that the right tempo? And we just strum along to it and we kind of mess around with mm. it a bit. And then, um, you know, we'll record, um, it's called a guide track. So it's just vocal and, and guitar maybe, or vocal and keys or something with a click track going on mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, in the meantime, I'd actually, uh, worked out, uh, that I wanted to have a loop running in this song. Uh, let me just pull it up here. Uh, So I'd sort of found that loop, which I thought would be a good thing to counteract the acousticness mm. of a guitar um, and would give a sense of the intensity and the drive. Um, and so uh, we, we put that into the guide track as well because it gives a bit of a flavor. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, then it's working out, okay, well, what's the instrumentation going to be? And, uh, you know, the way studio sessions work is you'll often get a bass player and a drummer in for like a day or two and record all your songs in that batch it's just a good use of mm. time rather than pulling them in you know yeah on different occasions and so yeah i think there's a sense of well we just pull up this track um and just got started and um we had a general sense of the shape that we wanted to go from quite dark to more positive to optimistic mm. and then um i literally just say to the bass player and the drummer because i trust them so much have a run yep see where you go playing along to the guide track. Mm-hmm. And these guys are like um, super musical. So this is Trent Prees on bass and this is um, Matt Drury on drums. Uh, just super musical, um, get 
song arrangement, get song form, yeah. understand dynamics. And so really they just played through mm-hmm. the song. And then there are a few moments where, you know, we might question, like we questioned, should the bridge be four times the hold on or yeah. three times or whatever? But by and large, you just kind of like... Will you sometimes have a bit of a drum pattern or bass line in your head, sometimes not? Is it a bit... Yeah, quite often yeah. I will. Yeah, okay. But, but um, again, it's holding that loosely mm-hmm. and being like, well, I'm not the expert in that space. Sure. You know, like, I'm not a drummer, so I can thrash it out on the drums, but I'm not... I don't know the drum yeah. intimately like someone like uh, like Matt would. So just just trusting their expertise, mm-hmm. um, that's, a, that's a huge thing, I would say, in the whole process. And then, so we get to a place where we've kind of got the whole... Uh, track eventually kind of built up just through through doing that like it was um it was we've got the whole rhythm track built up through doing mm-hmm. that and then uh i think we probably put down some proper acoustic guitars mm-hmm. like you redo the guide track and yep. put down an open acoustic guitar and then um we definitely put down some rhythm electric guitars which are essentially just electric guitar mimicking what the acoustic is doing like just big open they sit way in the background. You don't yeah, even really yeah. notice they're there a lot of the time. Yeah. But they does can... it sit in the same octave usually as well? Or does yeah. it sit, it, in yeah, this okay. case, they, they did. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. but then you, you hit on something really important, which is, okay, then how do we serve the rest of the sound spectrum? Mm-hmm. So how do we... We've got the bottom end covered. We've probably got like in the mid-range covered. Mm-hmm. How do we kind of... Can end up being muddy some... if everything is just in the... Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So then it was like... Uh, let's have a look here on the... I've got some like electric guitar, little bell note things. Little things like that. Again, you may not even notice they're there. Yep. So what that is is actually me at home just adding those bits after we've done the studio days Mm -hmm. because um, I can mess around with that at home Mm -hmm. easily just record, you know, with my electric guitar set up. And so uh, it's not all done in the studio necessarily. It's kind of of worked out... uh, you know, along the way, um, just through iteration. And maybe it's like a, having a canvas and mm. painting and mm-hmm. then throwing things bit by bit at the yep. canvas and realizing uh, what's needed. So um, there was this electric guitar solo in this as well. Um, let's have a little look here, which again, I'm not a big, I'm not like an amazing lead guitarist, so mm. I didn't want a big thrashy kind <laughs> of electric guitar solo. But, um, you know, it's like... Oh, and then we had some um, backing vocals flown in as well. So some um, female backing vocals from uh, Bella Bradbeer mm-hmm. in Melbourne. And because um, I just, again, sitting with the track, giving it time to breathe, I was like, oh, I feel like it needs something to contrast my my male mm-hmm. vocal. Um, it needs a lightness. It needs a breathiness. And so, yep. um, yeah, Bella did some amazing uh, vocals on that. Yeah. Um, just recorded at home and then sent them through. And we just kind of put them in the places they needed to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And where do they need to be? They chorus and also the the bridge uh, pre, section. Pre chorus, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Or yeah. maybe maybe the maybe the chorus. Definitely the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's an octave going on in the pre chorus with yeah, different okay. lines now. Yeah. And Which then, is interesting. Again, there's this line that came from somebody else. That's quite a nice touch. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's that's noting at various points. You go. There's something a little bit of something else we need. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's really slow. 
Yes. Like yeah. after you do those studio days, um, mm-hmm. it's really slow. Oh, we put some. We definitely put some synth in as well in the studio. Um, I normally have Andy Judd play yep. keys, but he was not available for this song. I remember, so it was just me and Sean. Uh, so I just played some synth um, and uh, just jumped in on his upright piano and mm-hmm. just played kind of block chords to fill out the sound. Yeah. But then sometimes, and we've talked about this a bit oh. as well, Mikey is being willing to just take stuff out. And mm-hmm. I do remember taking stuff out. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can put, fill it up too much. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's a sweet spot. Just because it's good doesn't mean it to, has to go in. So to serve the song, how do I yeah. keep it, you know, sparse enough so there's there's room to breathe in yep. there and there's room for the listener to insert themselves yeah. we'll wrap up in just a sec we have been going now for over an hour <laughs> gosh time flies doesn't it um, this has been really good Greg yeah it's, I, I reckon people find it super interesting just, to, just to, it is good to use an example I feel like for I sure think, I think you can then draw out from that what yeah. might apply to other things or yeah. what doesn't apply yeah. um, but what's the experience then you both then recorded an acoustic version yeah. of the same EP but then you've also you then perform it live with different backing bands or with yeah. none like you did yeah. last night it was just you yeah. so what does that whole experience again it's the song sort of becomes this thing a bit external to you yeah and then you suddenly take it back from the recorded yes kind of artifact and bring it back into the live thing what's what's that like do you feel like it, the song has become a different thing there what do you mm. um, have to do an, another bit of work to work out how do I do it live yeah, yeah. I mean this particular song stands up on its own fine mm. on acoustic guitar like yep. I think it works it works well but um, definitely there's a sense of letting go of the recorded version yeah um, and not trying to replicate that um, fully mm-hmm. uh, that's the tendency and the desire sometimes but like to realize oh, you can't recreate all of that without exactly the same players and without the same yeah. sounds and all that so so there's a bit um, of negotiation with say if you've got a backing band yeah. to go, how do you guys how are we going to do it tonight yeah. correct mm-hmm. uh, to let it be its own Thing on that day, you know, yeah. which I, I really love. Um, I think, you know, like last night's gig is an example. It comes as part of a connection of songs or a series of songs. Mm. So it becomes a, a part of a story. And so it becomes something to um, part of the storytelling yeah. process as well. And so it's less about musical perfection mm-hmm. and more about um, sort of just enjoying it in that moment as part of that experience. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, don't get me wrong. There's a version of doing this live where you have everything like it was on the recording uh, and it's beautiful yeah. and you're in a theatre and you have, you know, a six-person band and the lights are just right and, you know. But, <laughs> sure. But in the real world um, uh-huh. of doing smaller gigs and, you know, just travelling with an acoustic guitar like I did this time, um, working out uh, how, to, how to replicate it and also how to kind of catch some of the dynamics, I think, um, maybe imply like the electric guitar solo with like a vocal moment or yeah. whatever. Um, but I, w- I will say that a bit of a test for me if I'm going to record a song is whether I can, whether it stands up on its own on acoustic. Because I know that ultimately I'll probably end up doing a bunch of solo gigs and I have to be able to enjoy mm. playing it in that way. So even if the produced version is very different to the original uh, demo, often the the final live version ends up being quite close to the demo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I recorded an acoustic version of this EP well after I'd recorded the actual songs and I, I couldn't have done it the other way around. I yeah, needed to fully yeah. realise the songs before mm-hmm. I worked out exactly how I would play them on acoustic. 
which is very, very strange. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. But, but uh, even just refining tempos, song structures, keys, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, so again, one of those things where the listener may not even quite know why it doesn't just sound like someone's bashing out something on a yeah. acoustic guitar. Yeah. But there is it, all that stuff actually has made its way through. You can't yes. put your finger on why, but it's all of that stuff. Yeah, it's just the little yeah. details in yeah. the painting, you yeah. know. Um, and, you know, to any songwriters out there, I'd just say really enjoy that process. Mm-hmm. Like that's a real gift that you can give to the listener that they, as you say, they may not know yeah. whether something's there or why it's there. But mm. um, I do think just having points of interest is really important as well. Yeah. The so there's a version of this, and yeah. again, we will wrap up, but I suppose there's a version of this as well if you are touring or playing regularly through a set of songs. Something of that same process, like if, if, if recording is just out of sight, or so, someone is listening goes, I can't imagine recording, that's just not where I'm at. Yeah. Could be just by the process of playing. Oh, if, sure. if you're not just bashing it out but attentive to the song, you'll actually work up a better version of the live version of that song yeah. by just playing it over time as well, right? Without doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just working out how long an intro needs to be or yeah. how long a solo section needs to be, all that stuff. Yeah, it absolutely gets worked out. Worked out on the road. On the road, yeah. <laughs> we should finish there, Greg. Thanks so much, man. And we'll, I'll post this up. And, and I guess if people listening, please share it on as well because it, I mean, we hope it's really useful. I, I'm not sure if there's as much stuff like this available in Australia anyway. So hopefully there's others who you can share it on and they'll benefit from. And indirectly, it's a win for you too, Greg, right? People get to you know, encounter your music, which is, you know, always the battle as well as raising awareness. So it's a double win. You're helping other people by sharing it, but you're also (laughs) helping our muso as well. All right, we're done. In any other time I might be dreaming big, counting my plans on my fingertips and letting my mind wander wherever it wants. Any other time, hit the beach on Saturday Savor the roar of the crashing waves Listen to music like it's the best thing in the world The whole world's not okay, I don't feel good today I'm wondering when I'll next get paid Missing the family and friends that make me who I am We live different lives now But the same God who loves
fair 